<laughs> Look at all you people in church on Christmas morning. My God have mercy. You people are hardcore. Hardcore. And uh, I know these kids are going to be mad at me. I'm going to do my very best to go quick. I know you got a lot. But I, this is my Christmas present to you. I, uh, I'm on to something. Will you stand with me, please? But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. And when that happens, that you cry, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. My Christmas message for you today is simply going to be entitled, Who's Your Daddy? <laughs> Who's Your Daddy? If you have a good attitude, you can sit down. <clears throat> if you are a history student, you know what the Resolute Desk is. If you don't know what it is, the Resolute Desk was a gift from the Queen of England to uh, the President of the United States. At that time, it was Rutherford B. Hayes. It was made from the salvaged wood of Her Majesty's ship, the Resolute. Without a doubt, one of the most endearing pictures ever taken uh, were two of the very same son. Behind me is John Kennedy Jr. crawling through the secret door in the front of the Resolute Desk while his famous father, who of course was the most powerful man in the free world, attended his affairs. It was this very same son who melted what was left of this nation's broken heart when he saluted as his father's coffin passed by three days later. Without a doubt, I've used these pictures to try and somehow convey to you something more than just a father and a son trying to show you uh, an intimacy uh, between this man and his child. Without a doubt, I believe the cruelest lie that's ever been perpetrated by the father of all lies on all the sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ was the deception of deity. I'm talking about the sad saga of turning that one almighty God into three separate persons. 
It is so obvious to me that this cruel hoax is inspired by the enemy of our soul. I always wondered why people would say, uh, God damn. And why they didn't say Satan damn. Or Allah damn. Or Buddha damn. Why, when people want to cuss, do they use the name of the Lord in vain? And then it came to me. It's a rhetorical question. The answer's in the question itself. The first commandment is very stern and very sober. I am the Lord thy God and you will have no other God before me. But the second is uh, a codicil, an extension to the first. You will not take the name of that God in vain. Do you see it? Do you, do you get what I'm trying to show you right now? You want to know why people use the name of the Lord in vain? Why they say the name of the Lord instead of, oh, Lucifer, when they slam their finger in the car door? Or when they're frustrated, why they don't say Satan or Allah or Buddha? Nope. I figured it out this week. The reason is simple, as all revelations are. The reason they use that specific name is simple. It's because he is the Lord God. The very act of using his name was meant to be taken out for very specific reasons and very specific occasions. In Deuteronomy 8 and verse 10, it says, And when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land he hath given thee. It is appropriate to use the name of the Lord when you bless your food. Acts chapter 3 and verse 6, Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. It is appropriate to use the name when praying for the sick. According to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, it is appropriate to use that name when you baptize someone for the remission of sins. There's even Bible for using the name for our conversation and our actions. Colossians says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Those are times when it's appropriate to use the name of the Lord. But one thing is never permitted to use that name in jest, to use that name cavalier, tossing it about with abandoned. I was a kid 
when Batman came out of the comic books and onto the black and white television in my grandpa's house. I still remember Robin saying to Batman, holy bunions, Batman. I still remember that after all these years. It became a part of our vocabulary. My question is circular. In other words, I keep surrounding the same answer. Why were we so quick to attach holy to so many words that weren't? Holy smoke, holy mackerel, holy cow, and the mother of them all, holy moly. I truly believe the enemy quickly recognizes every opportunity to degrade and lower and somehow unseat the king. And suddenly he makes it stick. But I don't want you to forget my revelation. The reason people use the name of the Lord in vain is simple. Because using any other name is in vain. Because any other name is not the name of the one true God. The only name that carries the penalty for misuse is the name of the Lord. You won't be judged for using any other name, but put his name before your cursing and before your epithets and you risk judgment. It's simple. Don't use the name of the Lord in vain. Why? Because he's the Lord. Nobody else is. And so the theory of slicing God into three persons is an attempt by the enemy of your soul to do anything he can to undercut and dethrone the one that is above all others. I think, think of it. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus called Satan father, the father of all lies and all liars. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, Satan is called the son, the son of perdition. Perdition is just another word for destruction. It's why uh, Hebrew said, we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but believe to the saving of the soul. Satan is also called a spirit. The Bible said in Acts 19 and verse 15, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, who are you? So my question is very simple. Why don't people think there are three in the devil head? Because he's father, son, and spirit. But they somehow believe there are three in the Godhead. Why don't people divide the enemy of your soul into a trio of terrorists? The answer is obvious. He's not worth the time. He's not worth the effort. I don't have the time or the ability to recount to you all of the very manifestations and manipulations and efforts by Satan through the century to flood the spiritual market 
with thousands of things that were worshipped and venerated as God. But all of his efforts fall sadly short when placed before the throne of the King of Kings. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Wow, have those words been twisted and contorted through the years to do everything possible to keep people away from the absolute reality of what those words truly mean. Something happened to me four weeks ago. I got a revelation about revelation. Not the book revelation, but the act of revelation. I was teaching here in Bible class and I read this verse for the first time. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The worldwide political machine that calls itself a church has wrongly taught that the rock that the church was built on was Peter. Thus they say Peter is their first pope. Pentecost has properly taught that the church is built upon Jesus Christ. But it's deeper than that. The church is built upon the revelation of who Jesus is. And that is when I realized the gates of hell will never prevail against people who have legitimate God-given revelation. Not just about Jesus, but about anything. When God reveals it to you, that's powerful stuff. The pearl of great price is not just a single pearl. Brother, it's rather one in a long strand of pearls that you and I refuse to ever place in the mud in front of the pigs. I realized in meditation this week that Father, Son, Holy Spirit are in fact keys to understanding the revelation of the threefold relationship that the one true God wants to have with everyone. Consider this verse. She's been bleeding for years. It's embarrassing. She can't come to church. But grabbing the hem of his garment was instantly healed. Somebody touched me. I taught you weeks ago about praise and high praise. Symbols, high sounding symbols. Jesus told him there's a touch and there's a touch. Not the same thing. Somebody touched me. Jesus, there's a crowd of people around you. Lots of people are touching you. No, 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 no. Someone touched me in such a way that it siphoned virtue out of me. 
This is what Jesus said to that woman. Daughter, be of good comfort. Contrary to Dan Brown's best-selling book and movie, the Da Vinci Code is a farce. Jesus did not have an affair with Mary Magdalene. I could say he didn't have a wife, but that's wrong. Jesus Christ does have a bride. And I could say he doesn't have a family, but that's not true either. Because Ephesians 3 and 15 says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The reason he called that woman who we have no name for, his daughter is simple. Every woman in the world is his daughter. Consider this verse. When they let the man down through the roof. And Jesus not only healed his body, but forgave his sins. This is what it says in Mark 2 and 5. As that guy dangled on a bed, suspended by four ropes, and a grinning set of dentures through the roof. Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. The reason he called that nameless man his son is simple. Every man in the world is his son. I don't know how many years ago it was that the Lord gave me insight in Galatians 4, 1 through 7. I got stuck there for almost a year in this pulpit. I have taught this concept all over this country and, and a lot of places outside of it. Redemption and adoption. It's the real Christmas story. Call it revelation or call it a moment when the Lord allows you to see something that was there all the time and he highlights it with his word. Did you ever have that experience when Jesus takes out that yellow marker and drags it across the page of your Bible and you see something for the very first time that was there all along? Highlight. Revelation. That happened to me four weeks ago. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So many people today around the world miss the real reason for Christmas because all they see is the child that was born and they miss the real reason for that child to come. The child was born so that the son could be given. In other words, the whole reason for Bethlehem was Calvary. And that's when I realized after years of studying and memorizing and praying. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. Verse 4 is Bethlehem. To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. That's Calvary. But today I want to add another 
chapter to the saga. I realized this week, after seeing it four weeks ago, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is not, as the enemy would like so many people to believe, three separate persons in the Godhead. But they are, in fact, the threefold revelation of the relationship that the one true God wants to have with every one of his sons and daughters. The answer is found in these verses. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. It says in the book of Romans, it says, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For years, I have said it was a term of endearment, and it is. It is, basically the best way to interpret it is, Daddy, And that's when I realized there's one other scripture where it's used. It's in the garden. And this is how he prayed. Abba, Father, all things are possible unto you. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou will. The real meaning of Abba is much deeper than daddy. The real meaning of Abba is, Father, I will obey you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are in fact three levels of relationship that the one true God wants with all of his children. That's why the baptism of the Holy Ghost is so important. Because it says in Romans 8 and 9, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Does that mean he's going to throw you away? No. It means you got cheated. It means you're never going to experience Abba. Here it is in simple simple layman terms. I know many of you are aware of this. However, that little camera back there is throwing this thing around the world right now. So I have an obligation, not just to this crowd, but to my audience at large. Number one, you must be redeemed by the blood. I've said it for years, but that's why today is so special to me. Because this is a seminal message for me. This is my Christmas gift to you. It is the packaging of what I I feel are years of sifting through that book. The only legal liquid that can deal with sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. 
And here we go. Leviticus 17 and 11 says, life of the flesh is in the blood. It doesn't say that in the New Testament because the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. That's why in John 20, 30, 20 and verse 31, it says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you will have life, not through his blood, but through the revelation of his name. So based on John 20 and verse 31, if you have the name, you have life. And based on Leviticus 17 and 11, if you have life, you have blood. And based on Hebrews 9 and 22, if you have blood, you have remission. And if you have remission, old things are passed away. All things are become new. But if you don't have the name, you don't have life. And without life, you can't have access to the blood. And without blood, there is no remission. And without remission, the law of sin and death are still in force. No wonder it says, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Neither is there salvation in any other. None other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus came first to redeem us, to buy us, to purchase us. That should be very familiar to all of you considering the last two weeks. Redemption in the Bible is only possible through the blood of Jesus. And the only source of that blood today is the name. He died 2,000 years ago. But you need the blood today to remit your sins. How do you access the blood of Calvary today? The blood is in the name. Hallelujah. But redemption through the blood is not the end. That's just the first thing he wanted to do. After redemption, he wants to adopt you. And adoption is not a function accomplished by the blood, but it is accomplished through the spirit. And that's why it says in Romans 8 and 15, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. <laughs> You're redeemed by the blood. You're adopted by the spirit. And when you are filled with his spirit, it is his intention when that happens, for you to experience the dynamic that exists between a father and a son. That's what Father, Son, Holy Spirit is all about. It's not three persons. It's a trifold relationship that the one true God wants to have with everybody. 
Be filled with his spirit. And for the first time in your life, it'll be our father. The Lord is my shepherd. He's not just the great God sitting on the throne. You and I are poking through the bottom of the desk. Now we've got an intimacy with him that we never had before. By redemption and adoption, he's my father. I'm his boy. I'm his girl. (laughs) Do you get it? They're not three persons in a non-existent trinity but are in fact the revelation of the threefold relationship he wants to have with all of his children. Not just repented, not just baptized in his name, not just filled with his spirit so full that it in fact burglarizes the faculty of your speech and you magnify your father in another language. But his purpose is to take you from father to Abba. To get you to a place in your walk with him that you go beyond Savior. You get to a place where you say, I'll obey whatever you say. He intends for us to go from the relationship of father to Abba. From the stern public moniker of father to a more personal private daddy to a place where he speaks and we don't just hear him but we obey him so I end my lesson today with you with one simple question who's your daddy now Will you keep him boxed in a savior package only? Is he there simply to keep you from hell? Or he is your intimate and you so love him. You'll do whatever he asks. Let's stand. Precious Lord. It is such an honor to be in this place today with these brothers and sisters of mine and sons and daughters of you. Oh God, (laughs) we're all related. Around this world, the enemy is so divided this world into so many cultures and cliques, into so many sides opposing one another verbally through war. Everything he could possibly do to just somehow take your greatest creation and drag it through the mud in front of you and say, look what I've done with your boys and girls. But today, Lord, we get it. We connect the dots. You're not just my father which is in heaven. But you're my Abba that's inside of me every day. You just don't exist on a throne 
millennia of light years from me right now. But you're in my spirit and your spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm your child and you're my real dad. And I ask you, Lord, that from this day forward that we will do a better job in understanding they're not my enemies. They're just my brothers and sisters that I'm having an argument with. And families argue, but in the end, they stick together. Oh God, would you help us to build something in this city that will put a footprint around this world that we're not in the killing business, we're in the saving business. We're not in the division business, we're in the bringing together business. You prayed, oh Father, I just wish they would be one like you and I are one. And I'm asking you, Lord, to help us to get the revelation that this is not two different people, but this is a deeper relationship that you want to have with us. You want us to be your sons and daughters to where we get to a point that we love you and trust you so much. If you could take it away, we'd appreciate it, but if you choose not to, whatever you will, thy will be done. And from this day forward, Lord, you are more than just our boss and someone with a lion's chair and a whip. You're more than the tamer of our souls. <laughs> Tell me what you want me to do, Lord, and I'll obey. Abba. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's thank him together. Praise God.